Watermaster Studio presents Brushing Up, a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. Welcome to Brushing Up, the miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast, where I, Dan the Quartermaster, talk with hobby industry professionals, community leaders and volunteers, as well as content creators about their experiences in the hobby. On this episode, my guest is Eugene from the Toronto Role Players Association. I caught up with him earlier to have a chat about the TRPA and the world of tabletop roleplay games. So I'm joined remotely in the studio by Eugene from the Toronto Role Players Association. Eugene, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, pleasure. How have you been over in, in Toronto? How are things there? Toronto's been in forever lockdown for uh, quite some time. And uh, right now we're doing the distribution of shots. Yay. So that's the thing that's happening. I, I believe uh, you're also doing something like that. Yes, yes, there is a rollout of uh, various... Uh, I think we've got the three, the big three have been approved over here. Um, so the NHS is, uh, is rolling those out as we speak. So hopefully oh, very cool. uh, we can get things all back up and running back to normal as soon as possible. Um, but before we, uh, we talk about the uh, Toronto Role Players Association, uh, I do have a set of obligatory hobby questions that I am required by hobby law to ask you. So <laughs> the first question is, how did you get into the, the hobby? Ah, uh, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Dungeons & Dragons for this one. Fair enough. Um, uh, out of curiosity, do you do you remember the age you were when your heart was first broken? Wow, um, <laughs> I don't know. I remember it well. Okay, I was, okay, I was ten years old. Okay, wow, grade five, okay. and right. uh, I was part of this enrichment class or gifted program or whatever at the time, mm-hmm. and so. Going to this class, this out of the blue, it's at a different school, different location, and yes. there's this girl in the class that I found quite interesting, and I wanted to get to know her better. You were smitten. I was smitten, and uh, out of the blue, just she approaches me. We we have our first conversation, and she invites me to this game that is being played at lunch, and so the game turned out to be Dungeons and Dragons, which was held with uh, the older students at the school. Okay. The following week, the girl left the program and never returned. Oh, no. I continued to play Dungeons and Dragons as the dungeon master for all these students I had just met the week before. And that's how I started the hobby. I'll talk about, you know, out of the frying pan and into the fire. That's a. Uh... That sounds like, and plus, obviously, the, the heartbreak as well. Um. Yeah, I remember it incredibly well. It's, uh, yeah, it twisted together. From, have you, have uh, you, have you seen knot. this girl since? or is she Actually, just... I did. Okay. Uh, uh, I encountered her at a convention years and years later. Wow. Right. And I remembered her, like, incredibly well. She okay. barely remembered me. Oh, no. <laughs> Granted, we were um, really young. But, you know, yeah. certain traumatic events sort of flip back and forth. It's just the way it happens. Oh, that's such as life. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. So that was, I'm guessing that was a role play convention that the two of you were at? Yes, it was, actually. It was indeed. Uh, there was a whole mess of conventions that have role playing in games. 
So uh, in Toronto itself, there's oh. usually two or three. Fantastic. So well, we will talk about them a bit later on. Um, cool. But on that note, I was just going to ask, second question in the obligatory hobby questions is, do you see yourself more as a gamer or a painter slash model builder? Oh, that's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to consider myself quite the collector. Yep. And co- collecting in itself is a huge burden that people take upon themselves. So I, I'm very impressed with anyone who does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in modern times, I would say that I'm much more of a gamer, even though mm-hmm. I personally never associated myself with the term. Right. It, it, it's very peculiar because when it comes to running things like TRPA, when I first started it, I never really considered myself to be a typical, I guess, gamer nerd, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are much better at it than I am. Right. And so by pure coincidence, it just happened to be good at the organizational part of it. And so you end up sw- swirling this mass of gamers and people who like to be there. And I just happen to be one of those people that just likes to be there and voila. It's a hodgepodge of things. Yeah. The follow-up question I have for you in turn, Eugene, is okay. if you if you do class yourself as a gamer, what is your favorite game to play um, on the tabletop? Uh, and is there anything at the moment that's kind of piqued your interest? Wow. Okay. So one thing that I define a very good game uh-huh. is that it's something that you're willing to do for a very long time and you're still really fresh with it you're still loving it yeah if you were to ask me what was my favorite video game i might have said world of warcraft because Mm. i played world of warcraft for about six years and i kept on wanting to play it when i did right yeah i I don't play it today and i'm certainly not up to date it just so happens to be that line of thinking Mm. and so i'm going to say dungeons and dragons for tabletop yeah although that is more the before time the before pandemic and all that other things yes and for whatever reason because this game keeps looping back around every thousand years or so uh the game of chess which mm-hmm. i find fascinating because it's it sort of exploded online with social with certain uh platforms like twitch and whatnot yeah and a lot of professional players are suddenly playing online as well showing their personalities and their gameplay and all this other jazz and it's like oh that's fascinating I, I haven't watched it yet, but um, I, I think it can be attributed to the show The Queen's Gambit. Uh, Absolutely. Apparently, apparently that has ushered in a new era of, tress, of, of chess sorry, being trendy. Oh, it's freaking amazing. You have to watch it. Yeah, it show, it, it's not only a great profile of chess, but it's also a great profile of gamers, that they're really, really intent, have great mm. purpose, but they're also kind of mentally deranged. And have like addiction problems. <laughs> it it takes all sorts, doesn't it? It takes all sorts, absolutely. Oh, yeah. it, it is on my to watch list, so uh, definitely we'll get around to doing it. So the final obligatory hobby question I have for you, Eugene, is what advice would you give someone who's interested in getting involved in the hobby? Getting involved in the hobby. Mm. Um, Dungeons and Dragons or organization or... Tabletop gaming and miniature painting. Tabletop gaming and miniature painting. Wow. Mm. Uh, Well, I'd first think that 
something keep your balance you know of like how much money you're putting into it and what you're getting out of it and mm -hmm. try to figure out your time and schedule because you're going to have projects that you start and never finish yeah that gray pile of shame but uh in general i find that people usually have only two general needs and that is something really simple they want to buy or start something and then the second one is really really complicated which is they want to stay happy yeah and so uh staying happy these days is a very different for every single person so whoever you are you know sometimes uh your worldview might not be uh immediately accepted by everyone there and so you have to do a, this co new conversation that exists these days it's it's very complicated now but at the same mm -hmm. time uh yeah if you have a passion for something go for it and forget whatever happens you know it just just it, it it goes on layers. You if whatever you're looking for these days, you can pretty much find it within seconds, right? And you can find people that can help you with your hobbies, and passion people like yourself are willing to help people along. Mm. So, my word of advice would be just go for it and look for people that you like. You know, you're gonna be fine. Like-minded people. Yeah, Like-minded people. You know, it's uh, people who can support you and or just show you the ropes. You know. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's crack on and have a chat about the uh, the TRPA, the Toronto Role Players Association. And I guess we should start at the start as to how did it get its you know its start up and and how long has it been running for and and what's what's on offer at um at the uh, at the the club. Well, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of talking in the before time. So that's fine. Yeah, the clubs and organizations themselves have evolved so much over the few years like i'd say every five years what a club is has redefined itself and so, so i'd say like this is like the fourth generation maybe fifth generation of what trpa exists as okay and so yeah so, it is what it is so it's the first generation what first what, generation okay yeah. so when i talk about the before time this is before the before time this is yep. uh 1998 i believe it was okay or something along those lines it was a long time ago Mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening was me and my friends were playing games, you know, Dungeons and Dragons being one of them, and mm -hmm. then we lost players. Right. And then we thought, like, well, how do we keep going? How do we keep the game? How do we keep this game running? And we thought, hey, there's this thing called the internet. What? What if we use that? And yep. we ended up finding not just one player who needed a game, but we ended up finding hundreds. Nice. And from there we said hey you know what let's uh let's let's help these people out and at first it started in just emails direct emails back and forth back and forth and then we said okay let's well i said i said let's make a website we ended up creating a website and then we created forums and then we created uh multiple other things and then when that grew tiresome and no longer functional mm. uh people people at first wanted to get games and that's what yep. people primarily did. But as the internet improved, uh, the social ability, the ability to socialize with other people became much, much easier, right? And right. you didn't have to phone call someone or you know have their direct link. You can instead join a group. You can join a, a Facebook page or something like that. Yeah. Right. So looking for games became less of a priority, and people became more interested in doing events. And events became much easier to organize. And so from a community organizer became more of an events organizer. Yeah. Time goes on. People are running events like crazy. Events are some events are going the equivalent of a viral where like 
they organize it for 100 people, but 1,000 people show up. It's the Pokemon wow. Go years. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, a lot of people start seeing events organization as a form of making money. You know, conventions have taken a new turn, and yeah. a huge number of people are showing up there. Mm. Uh, and so that became a major mainstay of what communities were doing, that they effectively yeah. focused around which conventions they're going to, what events are they going to, okay. uh, as opposed to their personal interactions, right? Yeah. And now, uh, thanks to COVID and whatnot, yeah. everything's flipped on its head again. People are now playing at home online. Yeah. And so events and organizations are no longer really part of the main headspace. Mm. And so uh, it's much more along the lines of, can we keep each other laughing? People are shooting out memes all the time. It's yeah. just sending out the jokes, sending out the jokes, and or following individual specific uh, content creators. Of course, yeah. That's so, definitely, yeah. I've seen a rise in that, yeah. But if we can rewind the clock back to the, the pre-COVID uh, era, uh, you mentioned how that there was uh, this kind of growing need uh, in in Toronto and, and within your gaming community to have those events was the trpa uh running those events or were they supporting other uh groups or, or organizations running those events how how were they involved okay wow there's a whole huge story there i'm going to try to make this as quickly as possible okay. in the beginning in the beginning it really was just about getting people into other people's houses you know yes. like people were afraid to meet people off the internet people were afraid to go into each other's homes without knowing yeah. each other Rightly different, so. <laughs> different world. Different world back then. Yeah. And so we ended up saying, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let people get to know each other. And so we started organizing social events. Mm -hmm. And through the social events, you start getting pools of people showing up. And then, hey, there's so many people and they're always playing games. They're not socializing anymore. They're just playing games. Let's organize gaming nights specifically for that. Mm. And so we suddenly had gaming nights and social events. And were these in like um, uh, sort of communal, like uh, businesses or like community oh. centers? Like what kind of venues were you operating out of? Public spaces all the time. Yeah. Uh, generally speaking, it's simpler and you get a lot more. Are you, are you, have you ever played uh, any role playing games? Yes, I have. Yeah. Which games have you played? Uh, so I've played uh, the Warhammer Fantasy roleplay game, uh, which okay. I, I guess would be quite close to your um, uh, your Dungeons and Dragons in sort of a s similar sort of setting. Um, and uh, I've also played, uh, I have dabbled a little bit in Dungeons and Dragons as well. Very and, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, have you ever played a game called Shadowrun? No, I haven't, but I have heard of it. Okay. So yeah. one of the great tricks in the use in Shadowrun is that they say, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to meet at this club, which has this type of security, whatever. Effectively, yep. by meeting at this bar or whatever, you yep. take advantage of the fact that they have their own security rules okay. and they have their own bouncers and whatnot. Yep. So if you hold social events at a place like that and mm. someone starts making a mess, yeah. you don't need to bring your own security because the venue has one. Yes. Right. And so that's what we did, actually. It was uh, just to make it easier. But, okay, on a, on a sort of, like, in-game setting, or are you talking, like, outside of... I'm like... talking IRL. I'm talking meeting people okay. in real life. 
effectively okay if you're if you're a content creator today and you want to meet people you should go to a place where there is a natural security level yeah obviously yeah i'm just totally gaming this up i'm just like having fun i'm just telling you i'm just (laughs) i'm just surprised to hear that a game of Shadowrun could possibly require security staff in. <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's, it's cool. that, um, And it's great that uh, there are local businesses out there who, um, and, and I've interacted with some of them over the years, whether it's ho- their pubs hosting gaming groups or um, you know, actual gaming stores allowing um, you know, uh, tournament organizers or, or uh, businesses like mine to come in and, and operate uh, events. So, you know, uh, I think it's kind of that really reciprocal system of they're providing a space and we're providing the clientele. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, helping to, in, you know, grow both businesses or in your case, both, you know, your, uh, the TRPA and their business. So, yeah, it's win-win, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's uh, always been fun, that's for certain. And I'm totally exaggerating, by the way, on the level of security required to run an offense. <laughs> this is just, you know, it's it's really simple. Most, like, it's it's a fun thing. If you're running yeah. a fun event, people are there for fun, you know. Definitely, yeah. Um, and speaking of fun, what, what games are played at the TRPA? Uh, what, is there a particular, like, uh, you mentioned Dungeons & Dragons quite a lot, but is there other role-play games that sort of um takes in a stage are you constantly shifting between um playing different role play games or is there they're like legacy games that are just have been going since your inception in 1998 or uh like how does that work well now that you mention it mm. dungeons and dragons itself might be considered a legacy game mm. so it is you know what from 1974 it's been yep. around for a day and certain games come in and out, you know. But unfortunately, uh, this probably occurs with every gaming group that has ever existed. Yeah. And I don't blame them for it. But the wave of Magic the Gathering players, mm. if you get any bunch of nerds together, eventually they'll start playing Magic. This is yeah. like a fascinating thing I've always found. And so... Uh, it's because of the game nature itself. It's super portable, and the games are much shorter as opposed to a game of Dungeons and Dragons. True. So if you're getting a group together and you're organizing, like, if uh, let's throw out some random numbers. Let's say a social night has seventy people at it. Okay. You, you run a game of Dungeons and Dragons. You, you're tying up six people's time for like four hours. That's not. That's not even viable, right? Yeah. So. It depends, you know, it, it depends. Or on the other hand, if you have a, a game night or social, which is only of like 12 or even six people, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. You know, if people want to play a, a role-playing game, that's that's totally viable. You know, whatever is hot at the moment usually also takes a play. Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of individual creators these days. It's actually really, really easy to publish and or create content for role-playing games. Mm. And so... I'm finding that there's a lot of people who are out to design and try to create products now. So there's yeah. a lot of playtesting games as well. Like even mm. today, uh, I know a lot of people who are running online playtests as opposed to actually running online games. As in, it's a role-playing game session, but it's something else. Yeah. And and do you, do you get approached by those game developers to 
used the TRPA as a kind of testing ground for those games? At one point in time, it was done formally, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, people are way different about it. Mm. It's kind of along the lines of, I think people are much more independent. Before, people would lean in for the leadership and say, hey, could you do this for me or whatever? And nowadays, people are much more, I can do this. And they start their own page and start their own site and then just want to advertise to other groups. Something worth considering. But um, I was going to, sorry to sort of shift gears on you, but you, you have we have mentioned quite a bit about the lockdowns. And obviously, the situation here in the UK is different to the situation there in Canada and all over the world. Um, but um, during the lockdowns there locally in, in Toronto or, or in, in Canada, speaking on a, on a national scale, um, what challenges have you faced um, as a role play group? And, and how do you keep, you, you mentioned you got to keep people happy and entertained and obviously interested in being part of the TRPA. Um, how do, <laughs> How, how do you because because you, you said that community is a big thing and, and if, if the community doesn't exist if you don't have the space um to actually meet up and play games what do you do okay well first off as because the evolution of communities have changed so much dramatic drastically over the years mm. uh, it uh, it's a lot of it is a lot more automatic right mm. it's it's so like the amount of the amount of effort required in the beginning to get people together and say, hey, trust each other, we're online, it's the internet, yeah. but don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then that completely shifted on its head because 10 years later, people are getting online together in droves. Yeah. And without that first level of comfort teaching that priorly existed, people are coming together in, in droves with a lot more demands mm. and suddenly it became about this weird community management and everyone hates each other and there's drama and there's like craziness mm. and well it's really fascinating yes but at the same time i kind of like took a step back from that level of uh stuff right and for trpa today it being yeah. like this old old generation uh we're much more about the it's self-managed people show up they share memes they find groups yeah. people can find games on their own like in a second there's mm. like hundreds right yeah and so i guess you're you're saying to, to sort of take that metaphor that um the trpa is is more of a now like a platform so that people can come and pick and choose what what role play games they get involved in is is that is that correct or <laughs> absolutely so what role uh, do you see the trpa playing in in that setting well right now it's certainly along the lines of a lot of people are using it in form of uh keeping in touch with old friends mm -hmm. uh, a form of keeping of keeping contacts warm sharing yeah. uh, information that you would simply use to I guess, stay up to date. Uh, right now, you know what? I actually would say that TRPA's main focus these days is just keeping up with the news. Yeah. There's game platforms are, have realized the power of being viral. Yeah. And so they're constantly, each one, they're all competing now. All the, all the brands are competing on what can we do to make ourselves more viral this year. Mm. And that information is coming out. And actually, now that I think about it, 
and you've given me this revelation, yeah. is that uh, the future of communities might become news oriented, as in more along the more along the line of just collecting and gathering appropriate news. Yeah. Well, so, so not necessarily being locked to, uh, say, like a geographical location, but sort of connecting on a on a much broader scale. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So, if we go back to, um, again, I know we're speaking a lot of the sort of before COVID times and when you know you could meet up in person and actually play. Uh, tabletop games. Those days were myth. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. <laughs> In the long, long ago. Um, so uh, I'm really curious to find out what preparation needs to go into a role play session for both GMs and um, so games masters and players. Uh, what, what, what? Yeah, what should you do if you find yourself in either of those roles to to prepare for uh, your role play gaming session? So, yeah, my preparation for games is in many ways what I just described, which is mm -hmm. people go kind of nuts in what yep. their preparation is. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it really depends on the game. Okay. okay. So, I'm going to use Dungeons and Dragons to the focus. All right. Yeah, Dungeons of course. Go for it. Uh, if you're running an event for private or public, those are mm -hmm. two different uh, venue ways to think about it. Yeah. Uh, if you're running for public, you need to actually have a preset of rules that you need to make certain the public is aware that mm -hmm. what you're going to follow and these type of like uh it's very difficult uh for strangers to interact sometimes especially mm. if they're uh effectively sweaty nerds type of deal <laughs> right right and so if you're again we're talking about the before time and yes. people are, are, are meeting up for the first time to get together to play a game in a public setting yeah uh that's an entire barrel of fish than what a mm. normal private game is, right? Yeah. And so if we're talking about private games, mm. uh, that then falls under what the DM and their players are going to expect. Usually there's a session zero mm. where the DM will give out like ideas of, I want to run a game that's like this. And what type of players would you like, what type of characters would you like to run? And maybe we can uh, play on this level of being casual, minis, no minis, Maps, so it's, no it's like yeah. a, um, a a sort of a briefing before uh, everything sort of kicks off. Yeah, exactly. Right. Great way to describe it, actually. Yeah. And because games are now currently online, mm. there's, there's I think there might actually be a very real pos uh, possibility that the games that are online, at mm. least 50% of them will stay in the online space. There, it, this this idea of people getting together to play games is technically hard to do, harder to do, mm. and so depending on how lazy or <laughs> or or whatever, uh, yeah, it's possible. I don't know what the reality is going to be, but it's possible uh, mm. the online uh, role playing game might become uh, one of the permanent columns. Yeah. Uh, hold up the role-playing world. Okay. Right? Yeah. As, as for preparing at home, you have a computer. People yeah. are able to just scour all the freaking information and they're able to use like so much more. Mm. Right. So I, I play online and yep. it's a uh, hundred times easier than technically uh, in person, but I prefer in person too. So, 
do do you think that um playing on an online format so if you're using like um is it roll d20 there's the the online platform d20 is one of them is one Uh, of them yeah yeah. so if you're using something like that do you you feel that it takes away from the in-person experience does it is it Absolutely. Okay. So there's, there's okay. There's no no difference between in gaming, in person gaming, and online gaming. There there there's such a huge divide between the two. Right. Right. Yeah. Getting together, sharing a meal, yeah, uh, being able to like talk about your day nonchalantly mm. uh, while the game is still running. Like, mm. These are huge important things. You can't talk about your day to day stuff quietly in the background in an online game because everyone hears you. Yeah. Right. So it's it's hugely different uh but it, online is like i could tell you about a game that's happening in 15 minutes and then you can join and it starts like yeah. that's that's a huge benefit that's like nothing can really compete with that either no and i think also because uh well particularly here in the uk um a lot of my friends from when i lived in london have moved out of london so um you know we're living in the sort of what we call the home counties those um, sort of commuter towns that feed into the greater London area. So um, meeting up with some of them for, for a game or a role play session, um, the logistics behind that is, is a lot harder. And I'm, I'm sure the same can be experienced in, in Toronto as well. Mm, yep. Well, again, lockdown, COVID, mm. with a, everyone's forced to adapt. Exactly. So. But one thing I, I did notice before... Um, uh, the COVID era was, uh, and it was, this was, I don't know if this trend was happening over in, in Canada as well, but here in the UK, um, there were the rise of what's known as professional GMs. So uh, yep. a few of the, like the local pubs. Um, so over here in the UK, like things like pub trivia, um, poker nights, things like that would be operating out of your local pub. Um, <laughs> so people would come obviously to the pub, eat and drink and, you know, maybe pay 20 pounds to buy into a, a round of poker, uh, like a poker night. And then obviously that would, you know, first, second and third would take away some of the pot or, you know, you get a group of friends together, go, there'd be a, a trivia host who would run around a pub, you know, a couple of rounds of pub trivia again, eat and drink or good. But a new trend that was, uh, that was kind of following all those coattails was these professional GMs who, the pubs would have like a Dungeons and Dragons night and a, a paid games master would come in with a pre-prepared adventure and characters <laughs> and, and people would book um, and, and come along. And, and one of my mates was actually looking into it before the lockdown hit. And obviously that sort of snafued his plans. But um, is, is that something that's happening in, the, in, in Canada? And, and, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I would what say are your that thoughts on games masters going professional. I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I believe yep. Toronto might have been one of the original places where game professional game masters uh, had started up. Oh, okay. Uh, let me see here. The uh, I've seen it. I've I've yeah. taken part in it, and I've okay. hired I've hired professional GMs. Okay. So I, I've done the the whole trifecta of what it means to be a pro GM. And, and but, what are you, what are your thoughts and reflections on those experiences? I think it's a fun idea. It's mm-hmm. it's like if you go in to hoping for a fun game, you'll get that. Yeah. If you're if you're going in hoping for some next level experience that is like god tier gaming that 
doesn't <laughs> exist, that you're going to be probably keep looking. You're going to have to keep looking type of deal because like, uh, and at the end of the day, role playing games, specifically role playing games, requires input from everyone at the table. Yeah. Right. And so you've got a whole bunch of different factors that can affect the game. Mm. And so what, even if your GM is super amazing and they are do- trying their hardest to, you know, keep the, the cats in the bag. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, like, if, if a couple starts arguing and having a fight yeah. or something like, you know, along those lines, you know, mm. it's, uh, it will, it, you go in with an open mind. Uh, that's yeah. what I'm saying. But at the same time, well, why why do you think professional GMs exist? I think because there's obviously a demand for that in the market or somebody's carved out that niche. And um, just on that point, we're saying where those little sort of niggling issues can crop up in a role play session. Um, if somebody's not necessarily, you know, if somebody's not being paid to, to do it, is there sufficient enough motivation for you to actually go... <laughs> Hey guys, you know, cut that out. We're we're trying to all have fun here, or you know, I, I guess maybe when it comes to somebody being a professional in that. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but would they be somebody who I guess maybe has the skills to mitigate things like that, or you know, they've they've got the experience to go, you know, what these issues can crop up crop up in a role play session, and here's how I've dealt with them in the past, or you know, I've I've you know learnt up or they've got other skills so one of my friends who was looking into this he comes from an acting background so obviously wow. he brings that sort of skill set to the fore so i guess um and again correct me if if i'm wrong on this one but with professional uh games masters would they be people who um have crafted those the skill sets that are required to not only run a role play session, but um, do it in a way that's entertaining, that avoids uh, lagging, avoids you know arguments and, and fights amongst the players, unless you're actually <laughs> fighting or arguing in game. But um, well, okay, I'm gonna, I'm you're, if you you're at... saying a whole bunch of different things, which I like, yeah. uh, and you're absolutely right. If the person, mm. even if the GM didn't craft those skills, just through yeah. time and experience, they would. Mm. Uh, and but obviously, when you're doing something professionally, you 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 bring your your A game. Well, you, you assume people would. Bring, you assume. Yeah. Assume so one of the one of the aspects, one one of the best aspects of having a professional GM yeah. is, uh, have you've never played Shadowrun, right? No, no, and no. You asked you, me that. Yeah. Yeah, and so yeah. you let's say you and your friends want to try it. Yes. Do you? want to go through the experience of you buying the source books and trying to teach yourself the game and then teach it to your friends? Or mm. would you hire a pro GM to come in, knows all the rule sets, has the books, and is teaching it to you? Yeah. Right? And so there, there actually is a, a definite need as games become much more in-depth. Mm. Uh, if you want to try a different system, it becomes a, a lot more fun and or easier to just show up to one of those, those type of like pro GM nights and say, mm. "Hey, we, we want to try this game. Would you be interested?" Right? Yeah. So yeah, absolutely, that does exist, right? On the other hand, you yeah. could you could also look at it the other way. You're you're you've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for ten years. Yeah. And you hire uh, a world champion 
DM and you want to go super deep and super hard in the role playing and super hard in the improv performance. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's possible too. Uh, but you know, it's hit or miss. I've, I've, I know some pro GMs who quite frankly are like, they've got the heart for the game and that's all mm -hmm. that they needed, you know? Yeah. And then some might be a professionally trained actor. Yeah. That's yeah. also cool too when you find them. So that's like, it goes both like, there's benefits from both. Okay. So you mentioned um, before about positive gaming experiences, and I really wanted to tap in on that. And what makes a good role play session? What makes a good role playing session? Mm. Some interesting questions there, because uh, you could say that a good role playing session is one that you talk about outside the game. Yep. But that greatly depends on the social network and how the people interact with each other. Right? All right. Well, if we if we break it down, what are, what would be the key ingredients that go into a good role play session? What are the key ingredients? Yeah, Doritos and Doritos. Mountain Dew <laughs> and <laughs> two key ingredients right there. Hey, yeah. But, you know, okay, having an open mind, mm -hmm. coming to the session prepared and what is defined as prepared. Yeah. Because a lot of games, you could show up with your character and notes from the previous session. In other yeah. games, you might show up with literally nothing, right? right. And you're, you're technically prepared in both those scenarios. Yeah. So as long as you're, you know, willing to have fun, let the jokes, uh, let people have their moment to sit in the spotlight. Yep. Because games have a tendency to do that, where, mm. you know, there's times where you need to be a background player and let that other player be the hero, yep. right? And for some individuals, they have a tendency to not like that, so they kind of, they always kind of want to re redirect the spotlight. Yeah. So, but I'm like, hmm. I'm so you're sure saying making sure that everybody kind of gets... Uh... If I was to adopt an Australianism here, uh, a fair shake of the sauce bottle. Oh yeah, say that again. What well, was well, a fair shake at the? A fair shake of the sauce bottle. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, rem <laughs> I'm gonna remember that one. <laughs> you can use that. <laughs> First thing people will ask me: Where is? What does that mean? That's all right. <laughs> oh. No, but uh, it is true though. Like for the. Having it being a GM that is prepared to play mm. the game is really nice and it's such a bonus. It, yeah, I'm trying to figure out the difference between requirement versus uh nice to have, right? Because generally speaking, if everyone shows up for the game, you've hit the requirement, yeah, and everything else becomes a nice to have. Yeah, you know, it's 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 it'd be great if everyone has their own personal laptop during the mm. game or everyone has their own set of dice, yeah. Well, you know, you showed up. That's the best part. And people showing up with like a positive attitude and um, I guess looking to have a good time themselves, but to make sure that those around them also enjoy their, their experience. Is that? A little bit. Yeah. When, when I mentioned earlier that people usually have two simple needs of like something they want and to try to remain happy. Yep. Uh, that actually could be described better as uh try to remain the same emotional state you started with and not yeah. drop right mm. there's actually a couple of games out there that are more along the lines of doom and gloom and mm. uh 
this very stark, serious, like indie games do this more, much more than Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I would describe it as, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's okay to show up to a game not feeling happy. It's okay mm. if you're a little bit sad. Right. And, and, that, and that's one thing that most communities sort of uh, need to understand. Well, not communities. Most players need to understand is that it, it you don't need to be anyone else other than you. Right. Mm, and yeah. once once you are with went through with the game and you know you play the game to whatever focus you'd like. Uh and people will, you know, if they're there with that, that intention, they will enjoy the session, you know? Mm. It, so it 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 it's you don't need to go through any type of training or have a transformational experience as long as you're willing to just, you know. Take the time to to play it, you know. And yeah. it, it's people when they come together are much more amazing than I ever thought they could be. So you mentioned that there's larger role play game conventions <laughs> there that you you've attended in North America. Um, oh yeah, and I, I played the World cu- Championships. Yeah, I was just curious to know what what that experience is like, um, and how does it differ to the more intimate role playing experiences with a smaller group. Oh, okay. So, big game like we're talking hundred per hundred player. Uh, I guess session, just the, the events in general. Yeah. Oh, events in general. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there's several different tiers to events. I used yep. to organize a lot of different types of events for okay. conventions, and yep. there are there is the small person backyard having a barbecue running event. You know your yep. your condo cons type of thing. Okay. And then there like another tier is there's a convention happening that runs it's about books or it's about fandom. It's about something else. Oh, by the way, they have a gaming room. You know, and yeah. the gaming room runs stuff. Then yeah. there are game there there are actual game conventions, which is like we are a game convention and you are here to play games. Mm. And right. So there's like I don't know, like six tiers of this event type of organization that, that like exists type of thing although it's like unknown Mm. Uh, so i'm going to grab two random examples the giant big gaming convention you know release party the one that like the big names like the e3 but it's going to be like tabletop gaming it's like uh, gen con for instance is usually effectively the big gaming uh, convention yep right and a personal home event yeah uh, the very first thing you'll notice different is that all the gaming events you need to sign up for, right? Okay. And that means you have to plan your schedule way in advance. We're talking like seven, eight months in advance. Yeah, event. you can't just rock up and expect to play a game. Uh, exactly, right? Yeah. And uh, for, you know, for I don't want to use Gen Con too specifically, but like you would be paying per event, technically. Mm-hmm. Um that isn't always the case for conventions. Most conventions are free to play, but yep. uh, it depends. The signing up is really, really important. So it's, yeah, even, like doesn't matter which convention you're going to. If you if there's an online website with please register for games, register for the games. It helps give them an idea of what games are needed and if they want to add more of that genre. When they see the okay. tables filling up, yeah, 
you know, they say, hey, let's add more of that game genre. And that makes a huge difference at the end of the day. Mm. Right. So that's, you know, if, if you're interested in trying a game, check the website, look at the links, whatever, and sign up beforehand. Uh, the As for other things on, like the big game event, yep. show up to your table early, whereas yeah. at home it might be a little bit of a different story. They're a bit and... more chill with the, uh, the start and finish times, whereas I guess with a bigger event they need to be a bit more on, on point with that sort of thing. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Right? So and all that other stuff, you need to know your location. You need to know, yeah. you know what stuff you need to bring and whether or not. Mm. And chances but, are, if, if you're playing in a public space, you're yeah. either, like, I, I'd say extremes start to c- kick in a little bit more. You're either completely new or you've been playing for a while. And right. Usually the in-betweens sort of skip the... Uh, it depends. It depends. I, I don't know. Uh, so... Mm. And then with the, the smaller... Uh, sort of local community events that you've been to. Um, I'm guessing it's sort of a uh, maybe a bit more sort of um, focused on that local community. So events that are run by like the TRPA, obviously, then it's not so much the the sort of the bigger picture of, of tabletop roleplay uh, gaming and, and the industry itself. It's more kind of we're focused here on on our local surrounds and the people within it and and the games that we play is that correct to say that's absolutely correct to say well yeah. the people that are running the games are choosing what games to play you know it yeah. certainly makes sense <laughs> i i'm i'm not even sure if trpa will ever again have an official event but i'm just talking out of my butt right now because yeah. i'm about it and i'm old and tired and well i was i was gonna ask you whether whether the you know what are the future plans for the trp i know obviously uh, at this point in time it's a bit hard to kind of uh predict what what can go ahead but um you know as as lockdowns hopefully start to ease in your part of the world what what do you think will be the the future for the trpa when it comes to organizing events yeah as for the future of community uh, mm. events and whatnot i think post covid there definitely will be something there definitely will be like conventions are itching harder than they've ever been to either uh, return or create something new mm-hmm. and i think that's sort of beginning to happen yeah do you find that there's a lot more online events for gaming and stuff for you um there's definitely, I think, been that shift because of you know necessity to to keep those events alive. Um, I did hear of a, a board gaming convention um, here in the UK that normally happens in person, um, going online. So mm-hmm. um, game designers and and um, content providers, uh, instead of going to a convention, setting up a stall and, and showcasing what it is that they do. Um, had sessions online, um, whether they use platforms like YouTube or Twitch to um, showcase that. And then people would obviously book in to um, attend it. Or they said, look, if you join our live stream, it's going to start at this time, uh, you know, come along. So uh, I think maybe would, would I be right in saying that um, with role play groups like the TRPA, um, that there will now be that focus of both providing an online space to game as well as an in-person physical space to game. 
That's a really good question. Well, actually, hold on a second. Uh, because of the age of TRPA, a lot of people mm. have managed to uh, grow up for with yep. it type of thing. And it's uh, really fascinating because there's actually a couple of game spaces that exist in Toronto today that are mm. former TRPA members. Okay. And so, uh, you know, right off the top of my head, I'm going to say the, the mana pool of uh, a good friend of mine owns that. And he was... Mm. He started off as a member of TRPA, and so that naturally became a, a place, a location space that uh, people congregate to in an unofficial yeah. capacity, right? Mm. So it it's interesting because because of how people spread out, mm. there's there's I am constantly seeing uh, games occurring with the, with the trpa sort of like not officially but like everyone technically uh or it's so that, that affiliation yeah. yeah there's there's an affiliation aspect now that seems yeah. to exist but at the same time uh, i don't want to do that <laughs> no you don't you don't want to you don't want to cramp their style but i don't want to um, cramp their style no, or like maybe maybe instead of being that sort of, uh, you know, proactively organizing events, um, well, so the, much you're more taking a bit of a backseat and being a facilitator, sort of well, say, look, you know, those who are interested in, in coming along and being a part of this, you know. Well, uh, this actually brings up a really yeah. uh, excellent point, and that is for every game organization that exists or for every group that exists, there's going to be yeah. five more that exist. Yes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And so there are like it it'd be very easy to find an event to, to join these mm. days because there are so many events that are being publicized um, mm. online. Yeah. Right. And I, so that need has shifted quite a lot and I actually fully recommend that people check out like if you want to play games in person and you want to find stuff like like Yeah. Join multiple groups. There's yeah, no definitely. harm in that. No, no, like, uh, absolutely not. So if, if, say, somebody like me who knew nothing about the CRPA wanted to find out more information about the CRPA, where's the best place to go? Okay, so the, if, you want to, if you want to learn more about the Toronto World Players Association, the best place to go would be the Facebook page. Mm -hmm. that Facebook page, the Facebook group. Everyone's super friendly. Yep. Uh, people are always, even to this day, are still looking for games there. Brilliant. And we'll have a chance to, you know, interact with other people and yep. find, maybe hopefully find someone that you share an interest with. Brilliant. Well, I can I can pop a link to that in the episode description below so that people can check that out. Um, appreciate it. Which, yeah, no, all good. Um, but before we go, I know, Eugene, you're working on some other projects on the side, uh, outside <laughs> of the roleplay um, domain. Um, did you want to have a quick plug of those? I just released a book mm -hmm. on Amazon called Star Delivery, yeah. which is a adorable science fiction uh, <laughs> little book. Yeah, that, I've had a look uh, at it. It looks really cool. It's effectively uh, one of those hypoth hypothetical situations where what, would, what if little aliens showed up to planet Earth during the years of COVID? Yeah. And it it's very cute. The art, my artist... Uh, uh, Meredith has done a fantastic job, mm -hmm. and it's uh, absolutely 
uh, that was a fun project to work on. So I greatly, you know, uh, had oh, brain fart. Uh, that was a fun project to work on. So yeah. I really enjoyed, you know, that it took the time to, for it and managed it to come out. So, you know, it's very, it's, you always feel happy and proud that a project gets finished. Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's so, definitely a satisfaction in that, isn't there? Yeah, there definitely is. It's, uh, do you have of the projects that you've done? How, whenever you feel that you finished a project, yeah, does, does it like there's a there's a something special something that comes out of it? Like, yeah, can you describe definitely. that? What that might be? I think it's a catharsism. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think there's uh, there's not only as you were saying the sense of accomplishment, but there's just this sort of you've put the hard slog in and you're just like, Oh, you know, that's, there's that release, isn't there? Of like, you know, the job's done, you know, down tools, dust off your hands, mission accomplished. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You also have your, um, your explorations in food, uh, as I understand it as well. Oh, we're going there. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh... Not just Doritos and Mountain Dew. Hey, never give up the Doritos and Mountain Dew. No, no, no. Obviously, there's <laughs> that, but you, you explore further into the, the gourmet world. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have an Instagram. Eugene Eats That is okay. uh, the, the Instagram itself. And I do go over a, a whole different messes of food. I like to explore into the different cultures of it as well. Okay. So, yeah, it's lots of fun. And if you like food, hey, come on, send me a message. Is there a particular dish that has surprised you in your food exploration that's uh, stuck out? That you're like, I didn't think I would enjoy that, but I really do enjoy that. You know what? I actually just just recently did a post on borscht, okay. which is uh, Eastern European or you know Russian, yeah, uh, not moldy. That uh, it's beets salad, salad beet soup type of thing, right? right and yeah. I personally thought this would be boring and bland. And oddly enough, it's sort of like it hits that sweet spot. Not, sorry, I used the wrong word. It hits that <laughs> spot yes. where it's not too sweet, not too anything else. You can eat a ton of it and not get sick of it. Okay. Flavor. So it's sort of like that umami. Yeah, kind of that weird like Coca Cola flavor profile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've never tried. It. I've I've dabbled in some Eastern European cuisine, but I've never tried borscht. I'll have to give it a go. Yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> Will do. Well, Eugene, that's that's uh, all I have uh, question wise to to chat to you about. But it, it was really great getting on the show and and having a chat about uh, role play games, uh, Doritos. Mountain Dew and Borst. Um, <laughs> I just want to take this opportunity to wish you and, and the rest of the guys and, and girls over there at the TRPA, uh, the Toronto Role Players Association, all the best. And, and hopefully um, when this whole lockdown business is done and dusted, you can get out there and meet up again and, and roll some dice in person and, and have some fun. Thank you so much. For- and that was Eugene from the Toronto Role Players Association. If you'd like to find out more or get involved with the TRPA, there is a link to their Facebook group in the episode description. Well, that's all I have for you on this episode of Brushing Up, but please do make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so that you stay notified when a new episode is released. But until next time, keep on hobbying. You've been listening to Brushing Up. 
a miniature painting and tabletop gaming podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, why not follow us on Facebook? Facebook.com forward slash Quartermaster Miniature Building Painting. And on Instagram, Instagram.com forward slash Quartermaster Studios. To find out more about Quartermaster Studios Commission Painting Services, please visit QuartermasterStudios.com. Brushing Up is a Quartermaster Studios production with music supplied by bensound.com.